0: Alright, welcome back those of you who are watching online. Um, I wanted to just take a few minutes today just to give a bit of a meditation um, from Matthew chapter 4. Uh, as I said before, our, our plans this week were to start a new series in Genesis. We've just decided uh, in light of this morning that we're going to push that off to next week. But if, you, uh, if you're here in person or online, you can open up to Matthew chapter 4. We're actually entering into the season of Lent. And Lent is not necessarily a season that's always on the radar of Pentecostal churches, and, and that's okay. But really, the season is about taking some time to reflect, to pray, to fast uh, in preparation for the season of Easter, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And, and so often at the beginning of Lent, this passage in Matthew chapter 4 is one of the scriptures that is read and reflected upon. And so as we were thinking about, you know, what to do this morning as we pushed our service to next week, this this passage came to mind. So I wanted to read it for you. It's Matthew 4, 1 to 11, and then just give a couple of thoughts. And then what's going to happen after that is a few members of our team are going to uh, come up and kind of take turns praying through some of the ideas. And we want you to join us whether you're here in person. Pray with us Um, Join in prayer, lift up your own prayers to the Lord, and then we'll end in a time of communion together. So we're in Matthew chapter 4. We will have uh, the text on the screen for you as well. This is the temptation of Jesus. He'd just been baptized. The Spirit came down upon him in the form of a dove. And it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. This is an incredible passage as Jesus, full of the Spirit, he's just been affirmed by his Father as the Son of God, the one and only begotten Son of God. And you would assume at that point after his baptism and his empowerment by the Spirit in that moment, he would go out and begin his public ministry. But instead, instead the Spirit leads him out alone into the wilderness. And what's happening here is Jesus is starting to go through a time of trial and testing, very much like the people of Israel did in the wilderness after they left Egypt, and very much like Adam and Eve did in the garden when the serpent came to tempt them. It's no coincidence that the first temptation that the devil brings to Jesus is a food temptation. Turn this bread, sorry, turn this stone into bread. Same as Eve, hey, eat this fruit. You'll become wise. And Jesus says, hey, listen, you know, I know I'm hungry, but there's a, a, a well of satisfaction. There's a desire that I have that goes way beyond food, and only that can be satisfied by the word of the Lord. So I'm not going to just perform some trick here to prove to you that I'm the son of God. I know I'm the son of God. Listen to Satan's words, if you are the son of God. Right? Just like he said to Eve, did God really say not to eat any of this fruit? Satan comes with a half-truth, with a question, trying to, trying to question what God has already said. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm trusting primarily in the word of God, for my satisfaction, for my source. And it's the same temptation we have regularly, whether it's from a, a natural bodily desire that, that leads us to walk away from what God's best is for us, or other desires we have in our life that Satan tempts us with, because our flesh is weak. Jesus, at the end of 40 days, his flesh was weak, but in the fasting, he actually grew in strength in his spirit. And in our spirit, we can respond with Scripture. We can respond in strength as we are tempted to satisfy our cravings in a way that dishonors God. And the second temptation, Satan actually misquotes Scripture, which is really important to remember. Because you can go into the Bible and you can find a verse that kind of sounds like it supports pretty much any argument. And I actually had someone quote this very psalm to me that Satan quotes to do something similar to what Satan was trying to tell Jesus to do, to do something reckless, God will protect us. We can do reckless things because God will protect us. He'll send his angels to protect us, no problem. I'm like, Satan quoted that scripture for that same reason. It's easy to take scripture out of context and try to use it to justify anything we might want to do. But Jesus says, no, 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 we're not going to test God. See, we're often tempted in our own strength, their own ideas to do something, to force God's hand. I've heard it said, we need to do something that if God doesn't show up, it'll totally be embarrassing and fall flat. Why would we do that? Why would we try to do something to force God to work for us? If God wants you to do something embarrassing, he'll tell you. He'll tell you to build a boat in the middle of a desert where there's never been any rain. If he tells you to do it, do it. But don't try to force God's hand. You know, I think I was going to reflect in my sermon today on the Asbury revival, which, which is really exciting. And there's lots to talk about and think about there. And, and, uh, but it, it's funny because I've heard for years churches who schedule revivals. We're having a revival service. And that's not bad. Like, we want to have some fun and be in the presence of the Lord. And that's great. But this was never scheduled. We're not scheduling a time, God, you better show up because we're scheduling a time where you need to move in power. I don't know. We're not going to test God. In the wilderness, the people tested God. Where's the food, God? Where's the water, God? No. That's what Jesus is reflecting on. He's actually quoting scriptures from the book of Deuteronomy. The people were testing the Lord. He better show up according to our schedule. No, 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 no. We trust God according to his schedule and his plans and his desires and what he has for us. Do not test the Lord your God. And then the last test is a fascinating one because I think it's a test... The church has failed many, many times in history. It's a test for how you will gain and how you will use power. Satan brings Jesus to a high mountain and he shows him in an instant. There's some sort of vision that Satan enables here. He says, look at all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And Satan says, I have the authority to give you these kingdoms. And it was a partial truth. But the reality is when humanity... We were designed as image bearers of God, which meant that we were supposed to uh, be God's vice regents. We were to rule and subdue the earth as representatives of God. But when we sinned and we gave into the temptation of the evil one, he gained a certain amount of authority. He's actually called the God of this age. And so we had a certain amount of authority to give Jesus what he was promising here. But look what he was doing. He was saying, you can have power all you have to do is submit to me, and I'll give you all this power. Listen, Jesus, after his resurrection, what does he say? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. But it wasn't by Satan. It was by his father. And it wasn't by seizing and grabbing. It was by letting go and sacrificing. See, Satan was offering Jesus a shortcut. You don't have to go through the cross you don't have to humble yourself. You're the the son of God. You're God in the flesh. You can just take all this. I'll give it to you. Jesus says, no, the way that I'm going to receive this is through sacrifice and through trusting my father, even to the point of death. Jesus doesn't take power. He lays it down in service and sacrifice, and he calls us to follow him in the same way. So as we consider these things and the temptations we face today, they're not much different. They're not much different. To follow our cravings, to make assumptions and demands of God, and to seize power and use power for our own good rather than to sacrifice and serve for the good of others. And in all cases, we turn to the word of the Lord to say, no, 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 no. God has given us the path. Jesus has given us the path. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And we come to the Father. We come to glory through Jesus and his way. So I don't know if you're a person who practices Lent or fasting. And I encourage you, fasting is an important spiritual discipline and produces so much fruit in our lives. But this is an opportunity to reflect on these challenges that we are faced with today as individuals And as a church, we want to continue to trust in Jesus. And our purpose as a church is to help each other follow Jesus at home, in our city, and around the world. And so we trust Jesus, who, unlike Adam and Eve, unlike the children of Israel in the desert, Jesus accomplished a great victory on our behalf. And after this moment, he he left in the power of the Spirit and began his public ministry, which has radically reshaped the world. He's the one we trust in all things. I'm going to pray, and then Pastor Nick is going to come, uh, followed by Pastor Peter and Pastor Madison, and then we'll do some communion together. Would you just join me? And you can sit or stand and raise your hands or get on your knees or whatever, whether you're at home or here, however you want to posture yourself as we spend these next several minutes in prayer together. Father in heaven, we declare that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Every word in the scriptures, every word that you say to us, Lord God, that's our nourishment. And we declare, Lord God, that it's not our agenda or our will that should be done, but it is your will that will be done. Help us, Lord, to have the wisdom not to test you. And Lord, we also want to repent of the sin of seizing power for ourselves and using our power for ourselves. But help us like Jesus, who said the first will be last, and those who want to be great must become a slave of all. Help us to live sacrificial lives of service and love like Jesus did. We give you all the glory today in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
1: Yeah, this, this morning, Pastor Dave Said, "Hey, we should spend time in prayer." I'm like, "Great, let's spend time in prayer." He he gave us a little synopsis of what he was going to be talking about. These kind of three ways in which Jesus faces temptation. And immediately, when Dave talked about the first one, there's just something that like jumped in my spirit of Nick. You should pray for that. You should pray for this. And it's that idea of. us being ruled by our own desires, our own cravings, the, Jesus being tempted by bread. And uh, immediately what came to mind is a passage of scripture that has really stuck with me over these past couple of months. And it's a very simple verse. It comes from First Thessalonians chapter five, verse nineteen. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. That's it. There's, there's no more to it. There's honestly not a whole lot of context that's, that's needed for it. It's just Paul sharing about how people are called to live as, as good Christians. It's his final advice to the church in Thessalonica. And as I've been spending time talking with other people in prayer and just reflecting on what does it mean to stifle the Holy Spirit, what, what keeps coming to mind is the idea of me putting my own personal feelings, cravings, desires for the future ahead of what God wants to do. And in doing so, I stifle the Holy Spirit. I don't allow the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do. And I think that's something that we face in our church all the time. Where we prioritize, no, this is what a church service looks like. It needs to be five songs, the sermon needs to be 30 minutes and no longer, because that's how the Holy Spirit works. Or we think to ourselves, oh man, back in the day we had this amazing revival and it worked this way, we need to do things just like that, because that's how the Holy Spirit works. And we stifle the Holy Spirit, bringing our own preferences before God. And so I want to spend some time in prayer, and I, I'd invite you to join with me as we just pray uh, for wisdom to see the ways in which we are guilty of this selfishness, because I know that I, I, I'm at the forefront of that. To, to, to ask for wisdom so that we can repent, and not only repent, but ask for change. So join me with me now. Jesus, we are not perfect. I am not perfect. God, I, I so often I'm I'm ruled by my own desires. So often I prioritize my own way of thinking above above your way of thinking. But Jesus, I want to change. Because I I, I long for more. I know deep down in the heart, the pit of me, that I long for more, not just for my own cravings, but for that deeper craving, that deeper craving for your Holy Spirit, for, for your kingdom ground to be broken. And so, God, right now, we pray and ask that you would give us wisdom uh, and insight to see the ways in which we are selfish, the ways in which we put our own ways first. And God, we pray that you would speak to us with clarity, God, that you would give us open eyes to see those things. God, whether it's through personal reflection or even through uh, a trusted friend speaking to us about it, God, we pray that you would bring those things to light. And God, we say sorry. We, we repent, we ask God that you would forgive us for the ways in which we uh, hold you back and the ways in which we stifle your Holy Spirit. And God, we pray, uh, yeah, we pray for forgiveness. God, we thank you that you've died for our sins. God, that this isn't the end for us. But God, we pray and ask for your forgiveness knowing that it is a gift, not something we've earned on our own. And God, we pray for a better better future, a better way forward. God, we pray that you, would, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to speak with clarity and boldness in our lives. God, that you would give us vision that goes far beyond our own desires or wants or understandings. God, that we would be a people, a church, a family that lives for your kingdom. God, that new kingdom ground would be broken, God. God, we want to see this place be a place of revival. It's not something we can schedule, but we want to see your Holy Spirit working here. We want to see your Holy Spirit working in our lives, but we know that we can't do it on our own. We know that we can't do it by pursuing our own wants or desires. And so, God, we give those to you. We give those to you, and we ask, God, that in return you would fill us with your Spirit, that you'd fill us with your desires, your hopes. So that we can do so, so much more than we could ever do on our own. We pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Um, I'm going to pray for the second temptation, and um, it starts off in verse 5 when it says, then the devil took him to the took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple, and said, if you're the son of God, jump off, For the scripture says. Um, I was thinking we could pray for these two things. The first one is the holy city. I think when we think about temptation, we don't really think about church as like the place that you'd find temptation. But like Pastor Dave was talking about, sometimes we could glorify ministry. We can glorify the moves of God more than the actual provider himself. So I wonder if you guys could just join me in prayer for us to pray for our church, but also for churches and people and relationships. Because some people can just come here solely for community instead of for God. So let's just pray that the enemy would not tempt people to come here for the wrong reasons or it would not tempt us to pursue ministry for the wrong reasons. Can you join me in prayer? And those guys in the room, can you just pray with me out loud so we can just start praying? Jesus, thank you so much for who we are. Thank you so much that you've given us power to overcome temptation. And thank you that you set an example for us, God and we just start praying for our churches right now god we pray for ministry lord we're sorry for the times that we've just glorified we put it ministry on a pedestal we're so sorry for the times that we've we've made the the production side god the worship side the experience bigger than you god we're so sorry for the times that we've come here seeking um to experience something, to feel something more than actually to worship you for who you are, Lord. So we just repent of that, God, and we pray that you would give us hearts that are after you, God, that when we come to church, that when we seek you and we pray in our homes, when we pray for people, God, it would not be to seek glory. It would not seek to, to for people to think better of us, but it would actually be to glorify your name so more people can come to know you, God. I just pray for leadership, for church leadership, for our church leadership, Lord. Would you Touch everyone that's in leadership in this church, O oh Lord. Would you do something in our hearts again, God? So everything would be about you. Would you bring us to the beginning, God? Well, all we cared about was just serving you and getting to know you, God, and get, introducing people to you, Lord. I pray for every church member that's going to walk into this building, God, that yes, there's going to be needs. They're going to be coming here for financial needs, for community needs, God, for just better health, mental health, whatever. But I just pray ultimately that they would meet you, Lord, that they would encounter your presence, oh Lord. That even in our homes, God that we would not use religion as church, as a badge of honor, God, but we would actually feel honored that we know the King of Kings, that we get to worship him. God, I just pray that our lives would reflect that in our families at work. We would not be Christian just by title, God, but we would be Christian by lifestyle, oh Lord. So we just pray that you give us that. Um, the next prayer point was he also took him to the highest point of the temple. And I think that sometimes um, what, the enemy will do is, I heard someone say that the worst thing that God can do is give you everything that you're asking for um, because that thing can actually destroy us. And so why don't we pray? Because some of us, yeah, like we do have financial needs. We do have relational needs. We do have other needs in our lives. But sometimes having all those things is actually not the best thing for us, you know? Like some of us are happy that God didn't answer that prayer and we didn't end up with that person. Or some of us are happy that we didn't actually get that job because God's in control. So let's just pray that when the enemy tempts us with the highest points, with the glory, that we would actually be able to see where God is actually leading us in that. So just close your eyes, pray with me. Jesus, right now we pray for our own personal lives. You see everyone online. You see everyone in this room, God. You know our needs. You know our desires, God. You know the things that we're craving and looking after. You know the things that we're pursuing. Uh, and I know you gave us those ambitions. I know you're the one that gave us those dreams, God. But we just pray that you'd give us spirits where we would not be seeking those things as a means to an end, God. But they would actually be a blessing from you, God. I just pray for a spirit of when you close the door and you say no, that we would still be people who are still like willing to serve you. That we're still waiting and knowing that you're a father who gives good gifts. And when you say no, God, that means the timing is not right and you have something better for us. God, would you help us to not be tempted by the highest things in life? Would you help us not be tempted by fame? Would you help us not be tempted by money? I just want to pray right now for anyone in this room or online that has put money on such a high scale, God. Maybe it's because there's a lack of it. Maybe there's just like they want more and more and more. God, I just pray that you check our hearts, that we would use that as a resource and not like our... We would not worship it, Lord. I pray for anyone that has been worshiping relationships, maybe it's friendship, maybe it's romantic relationship, or anyone that's worshiping anything else, God, that those high points that the enemy would tempt us oh Lord, we would actually have a heart that is like, no, we're waiting for what God has best for us. And so we thank you, Jesus. My last prayer point is Jesus in his prayer. He says, no, you shall not test uh, the Lord your God. And I think there's a big difference between testing and trying, God. Um, I think when God invites us to test him, he says, like Pastor David was saying, he's like, he's invited us to trust him, you know. Um, and the difference between a test and a trap is predicated on who's giving it. And so when God's giving us a test, he's not trapping us. And so last thing, everyone just closing your eyes. Let's just pray that God will give us a heart that in the season, some of us are going through this right now. Maybe we just feel like it's a long test, <laughs> you know. Let's just pray that God will give you a heart to trust him in your own way. Just start calling out to him. God, forgive me for the times I haven't trusted you. Give me the spirit to trust you. Give me the spirit to lean on you. Lord, you know our hearts, and it's so hard to wait. <laughs> and you see everything, God, but we have a hard time seeing your times. We have time seeing your ways, oh Lord. So like your word says, God, just as that heavens are high, God, your ways and thoughts are so much higher than us. So like, we, would you help us? Would you give us the spirit to wait? and lean on your timing. It's so hard in these moments, especially with life moving so fast, God. We won't admit, but you see our weaknesses in God. We just ask that you would help our faith. Would you help our spirit to cling to you? In moments where we feel like, man, it's so hard to trust right now. It's so hard to wait. Would we not have the spirit? We're trying to doubt you. We're trying to get you to prove to us that you're really God, that you're really going to protect us. But would you give us the assurance, the affirmation that we need in ways, God, to remind us that you're always going to be there for us. You're always protecting us. You're always looking out for us, oh, Lord. And for anyone that's watching online or in this room that is going through a season where they feel like you don't care about them, where they feel like you're so distant, God, that they're going through hard things in their life and they feel like, man, God is not here. If he really cared, he would have done this. I just pray that you would meet them right where they are, God. Maybe it's comforting. The word says that you're you're, you're close and you comfort those in need, Lord. So I just pray that you'd comfort them. Maybe it's wisdom, God. Would you provide a new way? Would you help us to see you for who you are, God, and not the way that we're trying to manipulate to see you, Jesus? We thank you for your word.
3: And lastly, we're going to pray that the authority that Jesus Christ has on heaven and on earth will also just rest on us, that we will remember that, that all pride that we might have, that we think we have the authority We'll leave, and we'll ask for forgiveness for that. But we will just recognize the authority of Jesus Christ that's in our lives is the best thing that's ever happened. And so we're just going to pray over our city, over our church, that we will be able to recognize and walk in that authority that is incredible, remarkable, most powerful um, authority that is on heaven and on earth. So let's pray together for our church and for ourselves. Father, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and died so that we may have authority in you, that he has blessed us and given us, Jesus, this authority that we can have to heal the sick, to bring salvation that lasted for eternity, Father. God, I just pray over myself for any time where I have thought That the authority has come from me and my strength has come on my own. Father, I just pray and ask for forgiveness in that area. Father, I thank you so much that you are the most powerful, Jesus, and that I will recognize in my mind, in my eyes, and the first thing that I see that your authority is the most powerful and that I can walk in your authority by the way that you love us. Jesus, I thank you so much that, yeah, you give us the strength. Father, I also just pray that people will see us by the way that we love others. Or sorry, it says, um, they will know we are Christians by our love. And I just pray that I will recognize the love and the authority that I have in you that others may know your truth, that others may know the gospel, that others may know your salvation, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Prince of peace. Father, I just pray that this church and myself will just be awakened to the people that are broken and the people that are hurting, that don't know who you are, Jesus. That we will be able to see the authority and walk in it, and we can just have confidence and assurance that. Um, your goodness and your faithfulness is the best thing that is um, a part of this world, God, so that we yeah may just see that your authority will bring peace and hope to the rest of the world. Father. I just pray that my eyes will be opened and also have strength to see um, yeah, what you were doing in my life and my friend 's life so that I can also share that hope with others. father, i don 't want um, this strength on my own, and I know that it comes from you. So I thank you Jesus so much. Yeah, that you are filling us, that you are filling me with your hope, with your goodness, with your joy, with all of the fruits of the Spirit, so that I may walk confidently into the world to share your hope, because it says that all authority is given to us from heaven and earth is given to you, so it is given to us, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that we can live a life that is reflected of you, that we can share others that, um Yeah that we are able to give hope, because we know who you are. And that we, um, yeah, thank you, Father. I just pray for strength to continually um, give it out to the rest of the world, the broken, the needed, the hurt, that need to know your authority and who you are, that you are the King of Kings, that you reign above it all. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.